0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Food, Wine, and Whiskey in Your Own Backyard. I'm Rob, your host, and today I'm joined by my wife, Sandra. How are you doing, babe?
1: Good. Hi.
0: So, we just got back from Napa about a week, a little less than a week ago. Yes. Had a great trip.
1: Fabulous time.
0: Always fun to go there. It's only our second time going there. We'll do another show about our trip here in just a few minutes, but... when we went to Napa, we're a we we are wine members, wine club members at uh, Robinson Family Vineyards, mm-hmm. and Tom and Susie Jinks uh, are the owners at Robinson Family, and Tom was nice enough to let me do an, an episode of the podcast with him there, and for oh, me yeah. it was great, man. I thought it was it was my first time recording an episode where. I'm actually on location somewhere else, you know, yes. recording it. We've had guests on from other parts of the country or the world, but I've always been here in Houston. And it's been via right. phone. This
1: is your so first that was a lot of fun on location. Yeah,
0: being able to sit in their their tasting room and record an episode with him, I thought was really, really cool. So I, I enjoyed that. But anyway, Tom was nice enough to do that. So we're going to get to his interview in just a few minutes. But the interview, you know, we talk a lot about the history and the wines and things like that, but I wanted to talk about our experience at Robinson Family um, because it wasn't just going and tasting the wines and visiting this time. We actually got to...
1: Stay on the property.
0: Stay on the property, which I've never done.
1: It was a great experience.
0: Yeah, you know, we went to Napa last year for the first time, and we stayed in Napa and and whatever, at a hotel, great. Had a wonderful time. It was fantastic. But to me, when you go to Napa or any any wine region or anything where you're trying to get the full experience of it, and, and we're going to talk specifically about wine and vineyards here, um, being able to stay, you know, in a in a house that's on a vineyard,
1: oh, it enhances a, the experience. It even really more.
0: does. It, it it made me just thoroughly enjoy our trip so mm-hmm. much more.
1: Um, oh yes, uh, a hotel staying in a hotel is. Perfectly fine, but when you're actually waking up and going to bed and looking out your window to the vineyards and the, the vines, all that is just amazing and beautiful and really enhances the whole experience of staying in Napa or any vineyard that you go to.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and this is a small property. Um, they've only yes. got about less than 80 acres. Right. Uh, and for Napa farming, that's, that's considered small.
1: Um, Oh yeah, when you have all these other bigger areas, when you think of like when we went last year to Mondavi, I thought that was absolutely beautiful too and breathtaking, but it's a lot bigger and Robinson does not disappoint as well. It's absolutely breathtaking. Just a smaller uh, producer, but beautiful area, property. Yeah, where they sit,
0: Tom calls it the valley within the valley, where they sit well, first, let me tell you, they're, they're on the Silverado Trail. They're about probably three and a half, four miles going north, yep. and they're going to be to your right. You're not going to see a sign. So if you say, hey, we'll just find them when we go out there, there's got to be a, something that says Robinson Family Vineyards. You're not going to see that. So if you're going to Napa and you hear this and you say, hey, let's visit this place. It sounds really cool. It sounds like great people, and it is. Definitely look them up. Give them a phone call uh, mm-hmm. off their website. And go visit. Yeah, definitely you go visit. You will
1: not be disappointed at all.
0: You won't. Um,
1: I have to say that when we first became members of Robinson Family, we weren't even we'd never even been to Napa at the time. Well, you and made a good
0: point. We were talking earlier about most people. What were you saying about how most people join wine?
1: Most people join the wine club by visiting the winery and tasting their wine and say, "Oh, that's really good." Seeing Let's the property. join the wine club. Yeah. We joined Robinson without ever having been there, so we fell in love with their wine long before we even got to see where it is or talk to the people there or anything like that, which I think when we went, it really impressed us even more. Yeah, I fell more in love with the wine and the people and their story than uh, ever before. I think
0: that's a great point by you, because I think you're exactly right. You know, talking to a lot of people who go to wineries and things, they go, hey, yeah, we went and visited this place and we ended up joining you know, and I think that's a great point. But here, you're right. We we fell in love with the wine, and it was Rip and Tracy Rutherford and uh, Chris and, Tr- and Terry yeah, Chambers, Chris and Terry Chambers, mm-hmm. who shared the wine with us several years ago, probably six or seven years ago, something like that, and just fantastic. And after drinking theirs a few times and going, okay you know, we got to stop coming over here and asking them to open up a Robinson. Right. (laughs) We need to join the wine club and maybe put some some Robinson in our own fridge. And so that's what we did.
1: And then getting the chance last year to even just go visit the winery and sit in their tasting room, it just made it even more special to us. And then to find out that... Being wine club members, we can have the opportunity to rent their little house that they have on property even better. And so this time around, we went and stayed there and just, yeah. oh,
0: you know, and, and you
1: just amazing.
0: It was so nice to Carrie last year because I would have never thought to ask, do no. you have a house on property that we can stay in? Would have never even thought to ask that. So for her to say, hey, you guys are wine members, just so you know, this is available to wine club members if you ever want to use it, as long as the dates are available. And we were lucky enough this year that when we planned our trip...
1: It it, was available. It was
0: available, and we got to stay there. And, uh, you know, staying there and waking up in the morning, and, you know, you kind of stayed in bed a little bit. I got up really... Yeah, I got up (laughs) real early. I wanted to take advantage of the sun coming up over the mountains and, you know, the little different things that you might see with the microclimates and things like that. And it paid off because I got to see some really cool stuff... Yes, you did. ...each morning, and... Honey, I took video, so you're going to get to see it, too.
1: Thank you. You're welcome.
0: (laughs) Uh, But, no, it was really cool because, you know, I'd wake up one morning, and it would be a nice, crisp, cool morning, and it would be nothing in that little valley there, and it would just be real pretty to see that sunrise come up, and then you got to see all these, you know, hot air balloons coming over the top of the hill, too, which was really cool. And then the next morning you might wake up, and it was just covered in fog all the way down to the vines. And as I would, you know, stay out there in that area, you would start to see that fog start to move and lift up through the hill, and it was just really cool and, to see.
1: And that's really nice to, for you to see and record because you hear when you go to these wineries all the different climates, microclimates and the, that are
0: up and down the valley,
1: right? And the fog comes in, and the fog doesn't, you know, all this and that. And to actually see it is a whole different thing, too. So my
0: point there is that if you're staying on property,
1: you get you, to see. you
0: kind of get that opportunity to maybe see some of those things. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you always will; depends on what the weather is doing, but right? But uh having that opportunity and just waking up in the in the vineyard and, and seeing the guys out there and the gals out there working and starting to prune and get ready for the vines to, you know, wake up and get right. ready to start producing some fruit. That was really cool.
1: That I that's mean, amazing. And then when you're looking at them, you're looking at those vines and you're like, Well grapes are gonna be growing on those vines soon then those grapes are gonna be turned into wine and I can't wait to say I was there when they were pruning these years this year's grapes and then getting that in your shipment. Yeah. Saying I was there.
0: <laughs> and, you know, you guys are going to get to meet Tom here in just a few minutes. We're going to play the the interview we were able to do with him. But these are just, you know, like we said, we, we enjoy their wines, but getting to meet the people.
1: Oh, these yeah. are
0: great people. I mean, these are just, you know, he's a fingers in the dirt farmer. Um, I mean, not afraid to get dirty. This is a guy, you know, the whole family for that matter Right That way, they have those kind of uh work ethic you right, know, and you they
1: not only help do things in their winery but they are friends with other wineries around them, and they help yeah, it's funny how out. That, that
0: network is that these guys in they've been you'll hear in the in the interview they've been in the valley for fifty years or more mm-hmm. um longer than that Tom grew up there, so he's in his sixties, but anyway, just. My point about them is they're just a great family. I mean, getting very to, down to earth. Yeah, visit with them and talk to them and get to know them. These are just all the things that make, you know, enjoying the wine even more for me. It was yes. just, you know, enhances the experience. So I really enjoyed that. Um, and they, they're a small producer. I think we talked about this. They only make about 1,000 to 1,200 cases a year. So they're not putting out a lot of wine, no. but it's quality stuff. It's very really cool. quality. Uh, they have a cool little tasting room. That we got to record the show in, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Um, they're not like you talked about it earlier when we were before we were recording about how they don't have the big caves like some of the other places, but they do have something that when you go and you do a tasting, you're gonna you'll be be surprised. Yeah, you'll be pleased. You'll be like, oh, that was really cool. We're not gonna tell you what that is, but uh, if you go and you do a tasting, you're gonna be really, you're gonna like. You'll it.
1: You'll love it, it's and cool, I cool. highly recommend. Uh, Robinson family is one of the places is a must to go visit.
0: Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And for us, that's what we like. We, we kind of seek out those kind of what we call hidden gyms, those small little wineries that, uh, are small producers. And that when you go, you have a, you know, a, a pretty good chance of meeting the people who are, you know, the, the names on the bottle. Those are the people you're going to meet. Exactly. And that's what I really like. So, Robinson does, uh, you know, the Bordeaux kind of wines is what they make. You know, obviously everybody, Cab, cab is king. You'll hear that said a few times in, in California, mm-hmm. in the Valley. So they make a Cabernet, they make a, a Merlot, they actually make a Petit Bordeaux or Cab Franc, and a Malbec. So all five Bordeaux grapes, they they make them all stand on their own, which is really cool. But then they blend some of them and do some really cool things right. as well. So, um just a cool place. I just wanted to, before we got to the interview with Tom, just talk about it a little bit. I will say that uh, when you stay, if you're if you're a member at Robinson, when you stay at the house, it's not just the house you get to take advantage of,
1: but it's also the the grill, the outdoor kitchen. They got a,
0: a big outdoor patio big and kitchen. Patio, yeah. So they do some cool parties for their wine club members a few times a year, but. Uh, when you stay at the house, they give you access not to the pizza oven because that's quite a chore to fire up and get going, but the grill and being able to cook out there in the evening with the sun going down, seeing oh. the mountains, seeing the vines, having a, a nice little meal that you cook with a bottle of wine. Just
1: breathtaking. It really
0: is. It just, again, getting back to that experience, it just it's enhances it.
1: Even ton. more. Yeah, it really does. Even more. Even more.
0: So that's a little bit about Robinson. Definitely go check them out, and and you you won't be disappointed. They make make some fantastic wines. But uh, great family. Those are our kind of places to visit. We just wanted to talk about it a little bit before we played the interview with uh, Tom. And we'll be right back, and we'll have that interview with Tom Jinks. And uh, see you in just a few. out in Napa, Napa Valley, and in the Stag's Leap District, excited to be joined by Tom Jinks. Tom, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Tom Thank and
0: you. his wife Susie are the owners of Robinson Family Vineyards. Yes, we are. And you all have been doing this for quite some time.
2: Yes, we've been growing grapes uh, close to 47 years, and then the winery got started uh, in 1998 when somebody backed out a four-ton of Cabernet. We took it to a neighbor winery because we were not bonded here and my father-in-law passed away at the same time so my wife and I started the winery we'll be back after a quick break hey bar and grill fans it's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk where me and my co-host sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar and Grill in Elyria, Ohio the whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored and unedited anywhere where you stream podcasts just remember madhouse bar talks baby
0: okay so let's back up and talk about the history of the property a little bit okay so in napa you know everybody thinks napa valley it's always been about wine and growing grapes and everybody out here makes wine right wow they think everybody out here makes wine but yes (laughs) right for people who don't live here
2: yeah pretty much the agricultural now in the valley is grapes on hillsides there are still a few some cattle run okay uh, but mainly the crop that's grown here is wine grapes so when uh susie's mom and dad that would have been
0: bud and dinky yes
2: a helen yeah helen yeah mm-hmm. and they purchased the this property in 67 he retired from the service uh, moved out here bought this property uh, transferred all the horses and stuff, and their, and their only daughter, Susie, out here from uh, Texas. Okay. Uh, he was stationed at Fort Hood for his last stint in the Army. Um, when they came out here in 67, uh, Susie and I met showing horses and uh, dated in high school. At that time in front of us here on the property right here in Stag's District, it was mostly prunes. Orchards. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, the wine industry was... A sleepy little thing. Prohibition had shut it down. and
0: So you were telling me, before Prohibition, there were over 100
2: wineries? There was a, about 110 wineries before okay. Prohibition. And I'd then say. after you after said... After that, there was only a few that made it through. Some of them bootlegged a little bit yeah. uh, during the time. It bankrupt 99% of the wineries.
0: When um, you talk about the bootlegging, I love the story you kind of tell me about the the light.
2: Oh there yeah, there's a winery down the road here and I won't say the name because they'd like to tell the story. Uh it's a three story building and when you come up the trail, if you saw a light on in the little window in the third story it meant that they were open for business for <laughs> <Bootleg>. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um,
0: so so um, when uh Bud and Helen purchased the place, the intention wasn't uh hey, No man. it
2: was not grapes at all. In fact they had Gotten okay with the county, they never pursued it to put seven cottages on here and little rentals, and have oh, their really? daughter race their horse or show her horses. Um, that was pretty much. Uh, m- my parents and uh, were born and raised here in the valley, and so you've
0: been here your whole life.
2: Yes, been here, born, raised. Um, I always joke: as far as I got, once to San Francisco, turned around to come back.
0: And, <laughs> you missed it already. Yeah, uh,
2: Susie's lived. Quite a few places in the world, traveled all over the world, uh, been in the military, right? And I've been here all my life. Uh, back when Susie and I met, it was, there were was still about 17 dairies still here in the valley. Oh, wow. Hayfields. Um, my parents, we did hayfields for our horses and cattle. We are in construction also, but our, our hobby uh, was the cattle okay. and the horses. And so it just kind of involved. The valley is involved. Uh, a lot of the dairies moved out of this over in the Sacramento Valley, where they could get a lot more land because the property here started coming up in value. Right. It's probably quadrupled since then. Yeah. Um, it's around in this little area here, half a million to a million dollars an acre now for grapes.
0: And can we can we share with uh, with the listeners when
2: when they purchased the property, they got. Around 80 acres, was it? It was 78.8 acres okay. and for $32,000. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, It but was a lot of money then. Sure it was. You know, uh, same when my wife and I bought our first home and that type yeah. of thing. And now we've raised our three girls on our other property that used to be in the Coombsville area. Okay, and Now it's the Coombsville district. You know, my girls and I went to the same schools. Oh, really? And some of my grandkids went to the same school. Now there's eight grandkids and our first great-grandchild on the way.
0: And this is this is Robinson family is truly a family winery. I mean, it is.
2: There's no other employees on in the ranch. You have three the daughters. Three daughters. One works full time. Uh, the other two have other things. One's a school teacher. Okay. One, her husband, her husband has does bulk wine, and, okay. and so she helps with that. But anytime we need them, they're here uh, for any of the pizza parties that we do sure. for wine club members, um, harvest bottling. It's a busy time, uh, then. It's all, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because harvest, some of it's in summer. Uh, my daughter with the school teachings here, but they come up every evening. Yeah. Uh, they call up and say, Who do we need tonight to help crush grapes out or press grapes out that night? So it's all us. Uh, we have a vineyard management company now taking care of the vineyard, they're pruning it as we speak. Gets me off the tractor finally and off out of pruning a field. As I get older in life, i got to yeah. start getting this set up for the next generation. Sure, sure. And so Carrie's your daughter who works full-time? Yes, Carrie's okay. full-time in the office. She's the office manager. She does all the wine club. There's a lot a lot of the tasting. Is she's very busy. Then she calls Robin. Okay. Uh, one of, uh, she has a set of twin sisters, uh, the younger two sisters, Kimmy and Robin. And Robin comes up anytime to help out. Okay, that's awesome.
0: I love that it's that small family-run, you know, winery. And to me, it just you know it kind of gives me that that feel that you guys are you know your heart and souls in what you do. Oh, it it
2: is. Uh, I I also had another career. I, I had a, a construction business, did concrete work for forty five years, and I always say that uh, I never once got a thank you card. Yeah. But in the wine business, you people come in, drop a. Money, and, and I get thank you cards invited to their homes all over across the country. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and, and I love doing things with my hands, and so I've always grown stuff, always had gardens and orchards. Uh, my wife and I, even when we were dating and after we married, did hayfields. We're clothed of all sets. We okay. used to do the hayfields there. Really? Yes. We're Gurgitch Hill sets. We used to cut the corn silage there for my dad's cattle. Wow. So the, it, it's a community, a farming community that still is. It's just more of a luxury farming. Yeah. Uh, employs definitely. a lot more people than it ever did in the other farming community. Um, prick prunes when I was a, a, a young teenager. I've hauled hay my whole life. Still, I still have cattle on, a few cattle on the ranch and still sure. haul my own hay. So. You, you've
0: you had this scene over the years, living here your whole life. I mean, I, I'm sure some of it's good, and maybe some of it's not so good I, at the changes. I, <laughs> I think with
2: growth and change, it, there's always good and bad. Yeah. Uh, our worst is the, the traffic. Yeah. It's it's different got than two it roads used to in be. the valley. Yeah. When I was a teenager in my Camaro, it didn't matter how fast I went up Silverado Trail. Sure. Now it's everybody's stopping and looking at the wineries and... Takes you paying a while attention. to get down, yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so on the property, did Bud and Helen ever do one? Did they get into the wine? Is that where the wine They're, was? They started?
2: got into the wine, uh, making home wines with two neighbors on r- the road. Uh, legendary uh, Nathan Fade that used to on the property where Stagsley Wine Cellars is at. Uh, they still have a wine there called Fade Vineyards. Okay. And then Father Tom Turnbull, not related to the Turnbull Winery, lived on our, our driveway, which is a mile long coming in. They were the only other people in here, and it was still a dirt road. Okay. And there's only a few grapes. They were making home wines. And my father-in-law met them. They invited them down to make home wines. My father-in-law got the bug. And it, uh, about 1970, 71, we pulled out a horse corral and put in six rows of grapes of all different varietals. Nathan Faye planted for the people, so he'd have a few vines left here and there. That hobby kind of went wild. Turned into eight (laughs) acres over a few years. uh, Made we built a little garage here for my father-in-law's winery, which is now the tasting room. And that's how it got started. The little press that we used from 1970 to 1997 sits outside the door with some flowers in it. Um, Susie and I dated and grew up here on the ranch, trying our first wines some of it wasn't so great when we first had it we'd pop a little seven up and a few ice cubes in the white wines and my father-in-law would turn up his nose but (laughs) it's all gone from there so we grew up on cab here too and so over the years we've uh, taken out the whites put all reds in so we do five uh, the Bordeaux style
0: right I saw that the Cabernet the Merlot Cab Franc Malbec Petit Verdot yes and more cab heavy I would think yes
2: on we we yes we are we're two-thirds planted in cab okay. cab is king in the valley here. sure and so if we were ever to sell just the grapes cabs where it's at yep. and we we're planted most in cab we are doing all the, the, the other four varietals on the ranch it's hard to have a wine club if you have cab only right because it's hard to say do you want cab this month or cab this month yeah. right and so uh, we start doing when we found out our niche was going to be a wine club and work it here all off the ranch because ninety nine point nine percent of all the wine is sold right here at the ranch. Um, I still call it a ranch. So, so. when did uh,
0: when did wine become a hey we we can turn this into a business we we can put this in a bottle and maybe make a little money on this.
2: Well, we had actually thought about starting the winery in about nineteen ninety.
0: Okay. Up until then, it was just uh, we we're homework. just selling
2: fruit. We were working it on the weekends and after hours and making home wines. Okay, uh, I had the ranch down the valley. I had a construction company. My wife did real estate. She raised the girls. Uh, so we did this all after hours and weekends, and but we had had um, some stuff with the county that we were trying to get straightened out on some la- um, some lot line adjustments and stuff on some property, and it okay. took us seven years to take care of that with the county. And so then once that got done, somebody backed out a four-ton of Cabernet. We finally, all the ducks were in a row. Um, We thought we weren't making any money selling grapes. It was kind of a hobby in farming. We thought, well, let's play with a little bit. So when we first started with that four-ton, it was about 200 cases. We figured, well, if it doesn't sell or we don't know how to sell it, we'll drink it. There you go. Give it away and drink it. Yeah. Exactly. So Bud passed away at the same time. It took us about two years to get the little winery here bonded. Um, moved that few cases back to here because we bottled the first cases on another winery. First two cases, two vintages. Then moved everything back here. We started with 200 cases. 2001 we brought in the Merlot. Okay. Started doing 100 cases of Merlot. So we went along with that until 2005. My ranch, the ranch that Susan and I owned, we'd planted in grapes. We got that out of contract in 2005 to sell the grapes. Started a second label here with the girls called Great Legs. At the same time, I had planted Cabernet Franc and Malbec um, on the property. So this came out. So now we had some variety to start a wine club. Okay. And so I'd, then we jumped up from 300 cases getting close to 1,000 cases. So, what's the process for a small
0: winery like that to say, okay, we want to start a wine club? How do you, how do you generate the interest in people to?
2: Well, it, with our little winery, we don't you're advertise. Kinda,
0: yeah, as I'm saying, you're hidden. You're we're hidden. We you don't, don't hid. know you're here. No, you're
2: not there's not even yet. a road sign yeah. out on the on the road. We have to give people directions. Friends start coming up. Somebody come up, tell somebody else. You're I, not distributed. No, I did do a little, we did do a little, uh, bit in Southern California and I worked, went down and worked the market a little bit and found out uh, this is something I don't want to do. Yeah. So when we were able to have the other varietals, then it was, and then a couple of drivers, uh, for limo things start coming up. Then they started telling other people and it's just kind of rolled around to where we have 835 wine club members now. Yeah. And we do about 11 to 1200 cases of wine a year. Um, two shipments a year and we see a few people a week okay and you're are you the head winemaker or are you the guy who we use a wine consultant okay which is Christoph Anderson he's got a, a couple other wineries he do so him and I talk at least once every two weeks he comes by once a month okay I don't see him during harvest at all because he's too busy what he does but he's in communication uh We've been making the wine here as a family for years. I've never had winemaking or um, chemistry. Okay. So that's where I can pick um, his brain. Uh, I, and I always, I can make wine. Now, the little eons is on some of the stuff, the tartaric acids and stuff that we have to add, of getting it just right or making sure, sure. my pH is right when I have to add some water back. So that's where he comes in and he's got a super palate and helps with us put together a little Bordeaux style and pick out the the few wines that make our reserve. Um, Can cuz you make kind of, some great wines. I mean, we we well, got... it it's it's look it's the it's the grapes itself. Yeah. Uh, you know, a winemaker, if they really are honest, only have about 5% to do with what it is at the end. Uh, it's location, location of where the grapes are grown.
0: And, and people who are listening, you know, kind of talking about where you're located here in Stag'sley, kind of, you call it the valley within the it's valley? It's a valley
2: within the valley because uh, we sit on the eastern side of the hill, right under, we own part of the Stag'sley Palisades. So on the north property of ours is Stag's Winery. On the south side of us along our driveway is Stag's Wine Cellars. Okay. and then across Silverado just in front of us is a little uh, set of hills in between that little uh, the next little tiny set of hills is Silverado Trail where Silverado Winery and Pine Ridge is so they've got they're on a little hillside there so sure. it's kind of valley within the valley I would say 99.9% of the people don't even know this little area exists have never been back in because there's only two driveways back in here come back in here a mile
0: yeah it's tucked uh, away.
2: It's tucked away because we don't see the Silverado Trail, but a couple of inches of it when we're looking up from the outside and sure. see a few cars pass by. So we are isolated, which is really nice. We have our little microclimate, different than the rest of the valley. Uh, we have uh, extremely uh, beautiful grapes, which give us some extremely beautiful flavors and, and tastes and aromas. Uh, we have a super elegant uh finesse are i'm not sure exactly what words put into it tannins okay um uh, they are they don't bite you in the back when you swallow but they'll lay down our last wine club that went out got one of our 2003 cabernets and they're fabulous yep i got one of those so yeah. i haven't yes. opened it yet but i'm excited those to are yourself. 16 yeah. years old so they they the tannins are there they just are something that's supple because most people now want to drink wine when they buy it
0: yeah they get home and it's that night or the next night and it's exactly
2: they don't want to lay it down for five ten years before they can get to it but i want to give people a a little idea of when we talk about the quality of your grapes yes
0: Um, and and i think they would know the names Joseph Phelps Insignia,
2: yes. Come part of that comes off the ranch right in front of us, right in front of you, and to the side over here we have we have Sh- Stagsley Winery, and the next Stagsley Winery on the same hillside that we own is Schaefer.
0: Is Schaefer, and I think when when people think about wines that that know Napa or, or Schaefer is one that's pretty well known. Joseph Phelps is pretty well known for having good wines, right? So and knowing then, that you're tucked in right. that same and then area, Stag-
2: Stag's Leap Cellars is the one that. In the Judgment of Paris in 70, right. 76, beat the French. Yeah. And then with the reenactment in 30 years, uh, their wines held up for 30 years and beat all the one, the other ones again. That's right. So we are kind of ground zero to some of that part of Napa. We were raised here. Watch this all grow. Watch the prunes being pulled out. Yeah. Uh, Pick the prunes. Watch them, <laughs> the hay. Uh, and watch all these wineries grow and, and these uh, big, powerful money come in and put big wines There are still a lot of us, we consider ourselves dirt farmers, you know, and there's still quite a few of us in the Valley. We're just tiny and you have to seek them out.
0: Yes. And, you know, that's, that's, I mean, it's a little bit of a challenge, but it's fun for us when we come out to try to find those places. It's our favorite places, my wife and I, to come. And, you know, honestly, we became a member of your wine club prior to ever coming to NAP. And that was because a good friend of ours, Rip Rutherford, uh, at his house, had opened a bottle and told us a little bit about you all. Right. And after having a couple of bottles, we were like, "Man, this is just so good." Uh, the, the wine's great, but being able to come out and get to know you and, and Susie and visit and uh, just see your property and just to your point, you guys are farmers and you guys, you know, fingers in the dirt and you guys have passion and you know love what you do. It, it shows, and I think people who really appreciate wine appreciate that.
2: Yeah, most people that come to the valley will hit the big wineries and they slowly start finding the little ones or somebody tells them like rick did with ours then it becomes a passion on your part to find the little things you can't find at home
0: that that's the whole thing for us is you know if i can get it at the grocery store in, in houston i, I want to search out the things that i can't find and right to your point you only make a thousand to twelve hundred cases a year that's it let's can we talk a little bit about your wines and, you know, what what kind of blends you do, what you're doing now? You
2: know, okay, our, our biggest thing is a Cabernet, mm-hmm. and um, normally that's 25, 30 barrels. The last two years, is up a little more than that. Out of that, we produce a reserve wine where we'll pick out seven of the barrels that we, we like extremely different than the others. Okay. Or to some extent, different. Uh, a lot of that says Cooperage. Because, again, it's still the same cab off the same ranch. So we use a lot of different coopers. We pick on different days, and they ferment out. They all have slightly different flavors. So then when we and for people who don't know, coopers are cooper's talking the about wine, making the barrels. The, yes. The wine, the, we are a winery. We are the winemaker. But it. the winery, the edge is where it's made. The cooper is the guy that makes it yep. in the barrels. So we, we use quite a few different ones so we can get some different flavors because we're off the same ranch. Out of that, we also create a Bordeaux style. That is cab heavy, because we have mostly cab. But the other varietals we have is the Merlot, Cab Franc, Malbec, and we've just planted Petit Verdot. Okay. In the past, we've bought a little Petit Verdot, and one gallon of it goes into the Bordeaux style. We only make 40, 50 cases of that a year.
0: Right. Well, I want to talk about that one a little bit later, because I love the story on that one. So right now, cab heavy, but... One of my favorites you guys do is a Cap Franc. Yes. And that's a, obviously everything small production, but I mean that's really a small production.
2: That is. It's from one to three barrels a year. Okay. Uh, it's one of my favorite. Uh, most of the people in the Valley uh, make or use that as a blending wine. Same with the Malbec in the Valley here and the Petit Verdot is mostly used for blending. We have found that it stands up... It, tremendously well by itself it's one of my favorites too it's hard to keep any because i'll keep a couple of cases i'll hide them from my daughter uh she'll oversell (laughs) and then say dad where's the cab franc so i need to find another hiding place but i'm afraid that i may forget where that is (laughs) (laughs) so cab franc do you make them all back we make them all back, yes. I thought you did. I thought And I was that a used boxes. to be one barrel. So we're getting that up to two and three barrels. We're trying to get each of these small varietals up to maybe 120 cases because uh, the Petit dough last year was 21 cases. And I love that Petit dough. Yeah. So it's the things we're trying to slowly, but we can't pull out a lot of property and replant. most. Of the rest of our property is too steep by county standards to plant on. So we're limited Uh, which is fine because again we want to stay small so we're just trying to little here there uh, replant things that are diseased vines Uh, i pulled out a couple of rows of merlot that were old wide rows because the valley used to be planted on 12 foot wide rows so i pulled some vines that were that were almost 30 years old and then put in an extra put back four rows of malbec
0: oh wow okay so when we were talking about a minute ago the bordeaux style uh bordeaux most people know is those five varietals Correct. And and typically i think in bordeaux you know you have left bank right bank one's merlot heavy one's cab, cab heavy Correct. and the other grapes that we were just talking about the cab franc the malbec the petit bordeaux are we're always kind of that blending yes and i think they probably still do it that way but when we see here in, in napa to your point earlier cab franc is starting to be to me, very popular, standing on its own. Same with Malbec. Same with Petit though. Those three varietals are starting to kind of get their own lane that they can shine
2: in. They are. I, I, again, people aren't going to pull out large amounts of Cab. Still, Cab is king because it's economics too. Sure. Uh, so, but a lot of these little farmers like us that had a little piece and we're doing home winemaking and put a little Petit Verdot or this or that, and now have that they can't afford to rip it out. With right. something else. Same with the old Zins. People can't afford to replant, so they still have the old Zen. They fix income, a little money coming in. They sell that to the wineries. Okay. So that kind of is how, why there's some of these other varietals still in the valley. Uh, some of the big wineries that have thousands of acres, our neighbor here uh, has seven wineries, 7,000 acres, they can take 20 acres of them and put Pittsburgh for dough in. Doesn't hurt their production at all where they wait four years for yeah. it to, to grow. Uh, The little guy, a little different than that. So we just find a little spot here and there. So
0: for for people who are listening and, and, you know, getting to know you, and I'm going to say that you're kind of representing all the small boutique-type wineries here in Napa, what are are some of the challenges? I mean, I'm I'm assuming there's a lot of rules, there's a lot of regulations. Sometimes that's maybe, is that a little tough on the smaller guy? Uh,
2: Yes. Uh, We'll go back. The, The hardest thing ever is to sell it. Okay. To make it's the easiest thing. Okay. To grow it is easy. To make it is easy, produce it, sell it's the hard part. So until you get the little niche, the other little farmers that don't, there's quite a few little wineries in the valley here that might do a, a, a custom crush. Okay. Now they don't have a tasting room. So then they have to depend on either distributors selling it at half price. The struggle is selling the wine and also trying to sell it against the big guys that have the name. Right. I'll pour my wine next my neighbors the, any day of the week. Yeah. We just don't have the marketing budget and we sell it all here.
0: Right. Yeah, I can see where that's a big challenge for yeah. a lot of the farmers like you.
2: Yeah. And then the county regulations have are getting harder, more hoops to jump through, more paperwork to fill out every year, more control. It's got to be frustrating very much yeah i mean to me
0: you are the type of people who kind of i'll just built napa valley people like you and it seems like in my opinion they're just making it more and more difficult for you all to still
2: it makes it more difficult for the little guy for the little guy for the little guy because he doesn't have the staff to have somebody to sit around 40 hours a week doing paperwork for the government right and or the or the count government in 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 a whole all levels Uh, and and you have a piece of land, you want to do something, and they tell you can't do it. Uh, that's that's the hard part. And they try to tell us how to farm or take care of our property. And we're better land stewards ourselves than they are.
0: Yeah, most of them probably never even been on a farm.
2: No. And yeah. we're, most of us on the whole are not going to let our hillsides run off into the creek with erosion and stuff because there's only so many inches or feet of dirt on the hillsides. Right. And so we're better land stewards you just go through the valley and see what the county digs up and leaves <laughs> but maybe that shouldn't be in there but, <laughs> <laughs> well, <that's fine. laughs> uh, but I, I think most farmers i i, I call us farmers we're, we're growers um are good land stewards in, in this valley here you have to be i mean you have good. to be and yeah. in, in, in the 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 Wine Growers in Napa Valley here, there's 600 or more members in it. The Vintners has 560 members in it. Uh, that We've passed rules years ago that we are one of the most governed our own selves on how we take care of the hillsides and stuff. But then the county comes in and try to t- tell us a little, how to do it even more strictly. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, how much has, and I, I know it has to have, the internet? Do you get a lot of your club members? You know, that's no, fine? no, it doesn't really. No, okay. So we, we get
2: we get a few people that when we ask them how you found out about us, oh, we helped you or saw it on the internet looking up small wineries. Okay, so we have a good following on that, but ninety percent of it is still word, word of, of mouth. mouth. Okay, you, you you found out through a friend. Yep, I'm sure you've poured wine with other friends. I'll and tell I,
0: you, every time somebody comes to our house. That hasn't been before for the first time. It's it's your bottle is a bottle I open because I know more than likely it's a high probability they haven't had it, correct. And I know it's going to be a fantastic bottle, correct. so I'm always
2: happy right. to share it with somebody. So I'd say half to or more of those people will contact us. Okay, well, they come out. I'm glad because we always know. like to know well who recommended you because yeah. there's no road sign, right. There's so how do you, you get, find us? How do you find this? Uh, the most of the map things don't bring you to here. We have to actually give you and tell you exactly how to get here. You know
0: who else is like that? Taylor family. Correct. We couldn't find them when we had a. T- we had to call and you know yeah. get directions. In the Taylor and
2: family. Good. We've been to, known each other. It's getting close to 45, 50 years. Is that yeah. right? Yes.
0: I'm sure there's uh, several families probably out here in the valley that you guys have just kind of... Oh, been... sure.
2: The Ragushis down below from Jim us. Jim's a great I've known guy. Them be- I knew his parents before Jimmy was born. <laughs> is that so, right? Yes. Yeah, so I've, I've known... Being born and raised here in a family, you pretty much knew everybody in the valley. Okay. Because the valley, Napa itself has doubled in population since I was a teenager. What is the population of Napa now? The Napa, town of Napa is 114,000 plus.
0: And back when you were a teenager, it was forty, fifty? Yeah.
2: Okay. That's it. There was wow. one high school and now there's three in Napa. Cause
0: I'll tell you when we when we came out here last year it was our first time coming to Napa, and we kinda had that perception of Napa being this, you know, charming, quaint little town, and and it wasn't. We got here last year and went, Wow, this is a pretty big town. So we were a little bit surprised. We just have that kind of that
2: you know, country it, type. It, of. It, it is a little bit. If you drive out of here and get towards the San Francisco or San Jose or anything like that, yes, Napa's very small. Sure, it is small, but it again, size wise, it's small. So right. it does feel a little big. With we, just there's only two roads that run north and south up the valley here, so it is congested a little bit, a lot more than when I was a child or a, a teenager. Um, but you, I you I, I exactly say that to
0: say. Then when we got up to, you know, Yonville or Calistoga, then I go, right. okay, that's kind of what I had in mind.
2: True. And and NAP, the town of NAP itself, probably 10 years ago, was the same way. They rolled the streets up at 5 o'clock or yeah. 5.30. Uh, when we were teenagers, there was a curfew. Okay. And we were only allowed in town uh, uh, on the streets Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. Uh, otherwise, the, the you were pulled over and asked, why are you out? Okay. And... I know your dad, go home. Oh, type there you of go, thing. Yeah. And St. Helena and Calistoga uh, was the same way. The streets rolled up. This place shut down. There was hardly any restaurants. Now we have some of the best restaurants in the world. Yes, you do. Some, some, you some very worldly famous chefs have places here. <laughs> True. Because this is where people... This is... I think Disneyland is the only place that draws more people than Napa Valley.
0: That's not just California. That's in the United States. That's in the United States. Wow. That's... That's quite a feat there yes um so i want to get back to farming a little bit Mm -hmm. you know i can look out and see the vineyard and everything looks so beautiful but one thing that i i I think about is how do you protect your fruit as it starts growing from birds and critters and things like is it a problem or is there oh
2: sure it's a problem it's it's part of nature you kind of give up a few rows towards where the trees are because that's where the birds will uh, land you'll you put little streamers out to reflect to try to run the birds off. You deer fence to keep the deer out because okay. we're not allowed to shoot the deer. Uh-huh. Okay. In the, yeah. It just is what it, it is. It is what it is okay. where there's low spots in the valley where we get frost. We have wind machines that during frost, when the, we don't have to worry about that during bud break, which is here probably this next month, we're, uh, March here, we're going to get a bud break. We're starting to see some s- swelling in the vineyard now okay. with the buds. When the bud break comes, frost can kill the end of that bud. And that cane won't grow any further. A nether bud has to come out. And Uh, then where you get uh, part of your vineyard that you pick is sugar's right. Some of it's too green, not right. So the the very low spots, they have to do frost protection. Okay. Kind of like you see in uh, Florida where you see all the ice, citrus. Mm -hmm. There are still a few... uh, Farmers that will actually ha- turn their sprinklers on, and they'll freeze the water around the grape, which insulates the grape or that bud on the vine to so, keep from freezing.
0: Okay, that make, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I wouldn't even thought about. They that. are
2: burnt. Yeah. Um, let's let's
0: talk about. Uh, one of the wines that is this a new wine and, and it's called 2 plus 3
2: yes well it's called a call proprietary red wine because we cannot call it Bordeaux okay and we didn't want to call it Meritage and Joint Association so uh, we wanted another storyline because on the back of the, all the Robinson labels is a little story that my three girls wrote about their grandfather starting the vineyard okay so that was kind of a contribute when they, they he passed away because we're just starting the wine ring right so in 2012, we decided to do this Bordeaux style. It's a blend, but it does have the five Bordeaux in it. So that we wanted a story on it, so that it's got a big copper two plus three. It's Susie and I came together over 40 years ago and had three girls. It's all done here on the ranch, on the winery, by the hands of five. We started with two varietals. We have the other three, and all five varietals are in the bottle.
0: So the two represents you and Susie plus the three girls. Right. And then the same two and with three, the two idols plus the three other in the burrito make the five that you currently have.
2: Correct. Great story. Just another story. Yeah. It's all about stories. And people want to go home with stories because you pick up a wine at a restaurant or at a store, cute label. Yep. You don't know anything about it. If it's really good. You may investigate or read the back and go further, and then they want to seek that winery out. Sure. When you come to the Valley and have wines, it's about the stories that you take home. You may embellish it, forget half of it <laughs> when you tell your friends, but it's the story. It brings you back to the time you were, you were here. It also gets other people to come out into the Valley and see us.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Tom, I appreciate you taking a little time and, and um, letting us visit with you a little bit. My pleasure. Tell us how uh, people can get a hold of you. The uh, website be the best way if they want to look you up. Yes,
2: it's under RobinsonFamilyVineyards.com. Okay. Uh, you'll Simple either talk to Carrie, uh, is my oldest daughter, or my wife Susie. They keep me off the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've talked to you a few times. Uh, they're not real good at that then. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not what it is. I'm not good about writing things down uh, on who called, when they're going to be here. Got the here. number,
0: don't remember the name, didn't write it down. The- Pretty much. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> Uh, but definitely get on there. Phone number's on there. If somebody's making a trip to Napa, they want to set up a, a wine tasting, to see do. the property. It's,
2: it's seven, 707-944-8004 is the winery number. Yeah, you do the club membership, the club, club, the club uh, is, wine club. The club membership is just four bottles twice a year. You can join the one at six bottles twice a year. That's a shipment in April, which are the new releases. The shipment in November is one cab of the new release, and then older bottles. Okay. So you might get an older Merlot than the one you got at, in April. You'll get an older, a couple of other wines. But you'll get one of the cabs set by the other cab that'll either be 2 to 16 years older wow. than your current release. That's always fun. Very fun. It gives us a chance to set up, trying to, how do we get rid of the last 50 cases or yeah. 100 cases? We just hold them over and then get them back out to wine club members.
0: And then one of the other things that I like that you do with your your wine club members, I haven't got a chance to take advantage of it, but we definitely want to, is you can do a a pickup instead of a ship, and you throw you have a big pizza oven out here on property, and you cook
2: and you You, let everybody. Yeah, we do. We do two pizza parties for the wine club members, and they can bring guests. You bring your wine club member, bring two guests. Okay, no problem. Uh, same with uh, when you come in for tastings, when you wrong language, You bring two guests, another couple, no problem, no tasting fees. You bring 10 friends, I'm going to charge them. Yeah, absolutely. But There's a line. Yeah, <laughs> but that gets us away to uh, anybody that's close. We've had people fly in from the Midwest and come to the pizza party. we they'll end up shipping their wine for them, but we right. still call it the wine pickup party. Yeah.
0: They want to come in and have a good time. And, come and in and have
2: that. a good time. The, the whole family's here. uh a lot of times, the eight grandkids are here, unless there's ball games. That day you need workers,
0: I, right, for a party like that?
2: Yeah, because the, the kids help run glasses back and forth, and, sure. and one's old enough to pour wine now. Uh, they used to help make all the pizzas. We have somebody help now. because I had to cook the pizzas. Never had a chance really to talk to people. Right. Now this gives me a chance to um, actually turn a, around from the the barbie, or the pizza oven. And, say hello and, hello greet, to and, and greet people yeah. too um, and
0: you know that's a big part of why they come is you know same with me I want to be get right a and to my three, my
2: three you. girls uh, will mingle through the crowd pour wines talk with people do other sales in the winery uh, and mm-hmm. back to the wine club a little bit with those four bottles you get an email blast saying what the four we suggest if you don't contact us you get those four but if you want you can change any of them out or add on yep I love so, that about it. So, like if there's a varietal you do not like, or if there's a varietal you tried the last time, want another bottle, you can trade out or add on. So, you actually know what's coming. Yeah. I
0: love that about it because, you know, you're right. There's been times where I see a Cap Franc on there and I go, oh, can I change the Merlot for another, another Cap, Cap Franc? Franc. Yeah. Right. So, that's Our Merlot's nice. fabulous, though. It is fabulous. Your <laughs> Merlot is really, really good, but, you know, I
2: like your Cap Franc. I, I I do too. Yeah.
0: Uh, uh, so. But, Tom, thanks thanks again for joining us on this episode. Uh, everybody that listens to the show, please go check them out when you're out in Napa. You know, get the phone number, call Carrie and them, make an appointment, come out. You're not going to be disappointed uh, trying their wine, and, and I would bet you, you probably end up becoming a club member. So... I hope you do
2: get out, and we do love Texas. I've been down there quite a few times. You've
0: told me that, so I think that's great. And when you come down, we'd love to get you together with Rip and everybody and just have a night to hang out a little bit. Sounds good. Okay. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Food, Wine, and Whiskey in Your Own Backyard. And until our next episode, enjoy your next pour.